Because sometimes like, well, what's the point? We give up. It's too hard. I'm just going to coast. I'm going to do my own thing. I don't really feel God. I don't really believe he's there. That's what's happening with God's people here in the context of the book of Haggai. And so what God does, because he loves his people so much, and again, I mean, I pray this happens to us now. God loves us too much to let us sit in apathy and complacency and indifference. And he raises up prophetic voices in his word to rebuke us because he loves us, to correct us, to exhort us, to change us. Hi, and welcome back, Live in the Light listeners. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us. It's a big deal. We know that. We really do. We want to say thank you for being here today and joining me, Craig, our host, and as well our teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons, for a brand new series that we are super excited about. Are you ready for this? We are jumping into Haggai. Yeah, we are. That's exciting. I almost almost jumped in a little early there, Craig, but we are excited about Haggai. Let me just say this too, to um, so many of our listeners, I got the chance really on a frequent basis now to meet so many of you, so encouraged by your encouragement of listening. Man, it's just so nice to, to see you and to love you and that you're a part of the vision and ministry of seeing God's word going out. And we believe um, a significant and important way in our day. And wow, this world needs truth, doesn't it? I mean, just listening right now, I hope your head is nodding. This world needs Jesus. And we so much want to be, again, whether it's a small part, but we pray a spirit-led part of the people of this world being exposed to what is right and true and life-giving. Life is too short not to know why we live and who we live for. And so that's the whole really purpose of living the light. And we love your encouragement in this, your support of this, and to let us know that you are fired up about the Lord, his word, and ministry such as this too. So all that to say, Craig, it's a long-winded, but it's important because we want to bless our listeners. Haggai, and Haggai's a minor prophet. I wonder how many listening right now even know what Haggai's about. Well, that's why we do this. We want to expose them to portions of God's word that are so, I mean, and Craig, you, you get into it, and then you're like, it's like a tiny little book, and yet has so much to offer. And so we're going to find out again what Haggai is all about. So maybe that's all we need to say as we jump into uh, the Word today. Yeah, and I, I loved how you mentioned just just the, the heart behind this ministry. And the tagline for Haggai, this series, is a call away from complacency to conviction. And so with that, let's dive into God's Word and investigate this amazing book of Haggai. And I'll say what you said in the series, Robbie, which is if you don't know where Haggai is, find Matthew and then turn left a couple books and you'll find it. So let's jump in right away. Haggai chapter one with Pastor Robbie and today's message entitled, Consider Your Ways. The next four weeks, ending our ministry year here together, the month of June, Lord willing, we're going to be studying the minor prophet Haggai. And so I hope already your interest has been piqued. Uh, many of us will have very little idea of what's in Haggai. We pray by the end of the series that has entirely changed. And by the way, um, a lot of us like to use the phrase when we're greeting people, hey guy, what's up? Hey guy, 
Hey, guys, so that's fully allowed during the series, okay? So we expect that to be said a lot, all right? So it's already the joke in the staff right now, and it's kind of cheesy, but it's fun because any way for us to remember, that's what I'm all about, all right? Any way we can familiarize ourselves with God's word. So you want to go up and say, hey, guy, hey, guy, how you doing? Hey, guy, hey, guy, all right? All right, there you go. I hope that's one of thousands of times that expression will be used now throughout this series. Some of you are the type you will use that to the point of annoyance, to craziness to people. So just discipline yourself. All right. Haggai. It already happened to me right there. Haggai is the second smallest book in the Old Testament, second only to Obadiah. Uh, It may be small in size, but it packs a big punch of challenge and of transformation. Um, I am, as I've been studying this and in the last few weeks as well, I'm very expectant that God's voice is going to be heard among us. I'm not going to say that I'm, I've arrived in faith in that, but I'm praying for more faith. I believe God is challenging my faith and your faith within this series right now. I'm expectant um, for prophecy. I'm expectant for conviction. I am asking God for faith among us um, in a way that is new and fresh uh, for repentance as only the Holy Spirit can bring and renewal. I'm praying for faith to believe that God wants to draw us to himself in repentance and to renew us in himself and to revive us by his spirit. So this was stated in the video, but I want to make sure that we heard it. The context of Haggai is post-exilic. After God's people have been exiled to Babylon. So the timing of this book then is very important in order to understand its significance. Now I'm banking on if you have been with us in these past few months, we went through our Bible as one book series, and you are as equipped as ever to place the context of Haggai into the timeline of God's word. So we'll do a little bit of review. That's what it should be. But again, placing ourselves in the position to have the greater context for the greater understanding. In 586 BC, which is 66 years before Haggai's time, Jerusalem was decimated by the Babylonians. Um, At that time, the temple was also destroyed. Now, consider the impact of the temple being destroyed, okay, and God's people being exiled. For the first time since Moses, for the first time since Moses, God's people did not have a place of worship, either through the tabernacle or then through the temple, again, of course, built by uh, Solomon. They did not have a place of worship. The vast, vast majority of Judah, which was the southern nation as opposed to the northern nation called Israel. Thank you. Good. Okay. They were forced into exile as part of God's promised judgment upon them for their disobedience and their rebellion. But in 539 BC, the Medo-Persians were raised up by God. Notice sovereignty. Notice God's sovereignty over history. I mean, God's in control. He, he predicted and prophesied all this would happen. He wrote it down. He would raise up another nation to conquer the Babylonians. The Persians come in. They conquer Babylon. And it was as early as 538 BC that Cyrus of Persia 
allowed the Jews to return to rebuild the temple. Notice again God's sovereignty. Are you someone who gets fearful and you fret over the world that we live in? Now, this just in, God is sovereign. God is owner every every leader, every king, every politician, every event. He is not surprised. He is not worried. He's not biting his nails. He's not pacing in fear. God is in control 100%, 100% of the time. If you belong to him, you're good, okay? You're good. Notice the sovereignty he shows us again as we understand and open up the opening pages again of Haggai. But here's the problem that leads us into Haggai's prophetic calling, which took place in 520 BC. It was 16 years after the work of rebuilding the temple had begun. 16 years later, the work was not yet finished. Okay? And just to kind of give us a sense of what's happening here, I want to put us uh, a chart on the screen, just again, some of us are visual. Just I want to, as our intro right now, as we get into Haggai, let's just take it for what we can. So here we see the timeline of what is taking place. Again, we're growing in our Bible knowledge, understanding as students, so this should be familiar. Of course, the reign of David, the kingdom divides, 931, the fall of Jerusalem, 587, 586 BC. They return from exile, 538. This is the reign of King Darius. We'll get to that again right here in verse one of chapter one. Again, so this is where we find ourselves right now in Haggai's ministry spanning just a few months as well as we're going to learn. And of course, then Jesus arrives and then the idea on the book of Revelation. So again, this is where we are right now in God's word. It's very interesting also that the rebuilding of the temple had a really good start. People are fired up. Uh, they had a lot of passion. They were, they were committed to the work. If you want to read about that, you can read about that specifically in one of the parallel books, the book of Ezra. And in Ezra chapters three and four, you read about the people being stirred up to start to rebuild the temple. But what happens is, is that opposition is raised up to the rebuilding of the temple and the work then stops. And the people get discouraged and disillusionment sets in and their hearts are sapped with strength and with optimistic faith. So it was at this point then, what happens here, the work stops, but then time elapses. Now watch this in your life too, okay? When you get discouraged and you get disappointed in your walk with Christ and you feel some disillusionment, if you're not careful, time can elapse and disillusionment can turn into apathy. And apathy turns into complacency. And complacency results in indifference. Because somebody's like, well, what's the point? We give up. It's too hard. I'm just going to coast. I'm going to do my own thing. I don't really feel God. I don't really believe he's there. That's what's happening with God's people here in the context of the book of Haggai. And so what God does, because he loves his people so much, and again, I mean, I pray this happens to us now. God loves us too much to let us sit in apathy and complacency and indifference. And he raises up prophetic voices in his word to rebuke us because he loves us to correct us, to exhort us, to change us. And if you and I really belong to him, he won't let us go that far and be sinking and stagnant in the ditch before he sends a prophetic voice into our life to say, my child, get up. Let's get to work. I want to use your life. I did not send my son to die for you to sit there and do nothing. 
You get glory. Give me glory through your life that I take pleasure in the living sacrifice that you are. We'll get to there in a few moments. So before we officially get into God's word, we understand this. In the laziness, because that's what it was, in the laziness of God's people, he comes in and shakes them. In their apathy and self-indulgence, God wakes them up. In their indifference, he rebukes them because again, he loves them. So already, already the idea of misplaced priorities and misplaced passions are being spoken of. And I want to just do this just for a second. I just want to ask you this question. So as we see the context of Haggai, God's people discouraged 16 years earlier, 16 years later, lazy, apathetic, misplaced passions, misplaced priorities, pursuing self-indulgence. I just want to ask us all, myself, I'm starting right here with myself, this question. Where, in, in terms of misplaced priorities and passions, where do you expect, where would you think God might speak to you about that now? Where, where is God going to speak? What is God going to speak to you about in terms of misplaced priorities and passions in your life? Where, where do you suspect by the end of this message, the Holy Spirit might be like, I'm knocking on your door and I want to point this, this area over here out. Where do you think that's going to be? And it'll be fascinating as we go through this message today and through this series. It'll be fascinating if what you expect, what you already know might be the issues if the Holy Spirit confirms that in your heart and life. And then the question is, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to be hearers and just hearers alone, or will we be doers as well? So my desire so much for this series right now is understanding this too. God spoke to his people then, and God wants to speak to his people now. You know, I was so encouraged. Um, I was just talking to my wife. We were at a, a family event just a couple hours ago, and um, I was just talking to Jill, and she says, you know, I was listening to uh, Christian radio, and she says, what are the chances? But I heard two people talk about the Bible teaching regarding the book of Haggai. I'm like, really? No way. Like, when's the last time you heard about Haggai being taught? Yeah, there's two people going through Haggai. And one of the persons, I'll, I'll paraphrase, one of the persons said this. He says, it is a tragedy when the church today considers what happened then can't happen now. And I'm like, I need to hear that. See, it's like, God, I'm praying for faith. And when my wife says that to me, it, just, it fills my life with faith just a little bit more to say, God, you are going to speak to us. You are going to move among us. And you are going to call us to, to difficult decisions of repentance, but to then revive us in a hunger because we don't want to live for the world with this one chance that we have. And so I, I just want to take some time right now. This is a time right now to pray. And, and I pray already right now. Your heart just stirred just a little bit, just a little bit more than when you came in. And a little bit of faith starting to trickle down. So Lord, what would it look like if you brought me to repentance? And you brought me renewal. What would it look like, Lord, if you revived my heart? Because I know that my life's been stagnant. And I know I've been missing placing my passions, priorities, and other things. But Lord, your will be done. It's really all we're asking. God, your will be done in, in Hope Bible Church right now, in this month. So what I want you to do is I just want you to take a moment in quiet. And I want you to pray. I will close us off. What is the Lord saying to us already? But let's, everyone who's interested, everyone who believes what they're heard already is of the Lord. Let's all pray that God will do great things in our midst. Amen, church? So let's pray. Let's just, let's just bow ourselves in humility. You speak to the Lord. Ask the Lord.
speak to your heart. Ask the Lord, change your life. Ask the Lord for the gift of repentance. Ask the Lord for the gift of faith. Oh God, you have not placed this book, Haggai, in the Old Testament just to be seen as something that happened only then. It has no transferring principles to now. It does, Lord. We are called to seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to us. So Lord, I pray, I pray you will be causing our faith to rise right now. Even right now, Holy Spirit. Give us expectancy. Oh God, help us to see the world as, as just boring, as empty, as treasures that moth and rust will destroy. God, I pray you will lead us not just to pray now. I pray you will lead us to pray hard in these next days and weeks. Such powerful things happened in, in, in Haggai's prophecy in such a short period of time. And I pray you will do that in our midst now. I pray, I pray, oh Lord, you will. Hear us, Lord, we need you. Just all, even from the very beginning, forgive us our sins. We repent, Lord, of our indifference and our apathy and our complacency, our love for entertainment. God, forgive us for not hungering for you. And I pray you will give us such attentiveness and in our ears and with our lives and longings with our hearts, even now in this service right now, make it supernatural for you. I pray, oh God, would you do this? In Jesus' name, if you agree, you can say amen, amen. Well, if you haven't done so already, please open your Bibles to Haggai, to the book of Haggai. And if you don't know where Haggai is, you can turn beside you and say, hey, guy, do you know where Haggai is? Okay. One of the things I like to do in memory for just some of the final portions of God's word, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. This is kind of way it works. I'm really weird, but those things work for me. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. And you just kind of remember it and then you don't forget it. And so there you go. Especially those tricky kind of words or tricky books at the end of the Old Testament. Of course, the Bible wraps big hit in our home too. Whatever whatever helps, whatever helps, okay? Uh, Haggai, Chapter one, verse one, says this, okay? In the second year of Darius, the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shatiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. It says right there. So verse one explains this, that Haggai's prophecy came at an exact date. And you got to know this, his ministry, again, just spanned just a few months. Verse 1 precisely dates this to August 29th, 520 BC. And Haggai's last sermon would be December 18th in the same year of 520 BC. Just so you see this, this is found in the ESV Study Bible. I want you to see this right here, okay? So we have five main oracles, okay, within the book of Haggai. We're grouping, as our video did well, we're grouping the first two together. So we have four main sections. And they give the precise days. We know exactly when this happened. So in verse one, it tells us, again, this is August 29th of 520 BC. We're gonna see at the end of chapter one, this is September 21st, just, it's just three weeks in space again, what's happening there? And you see October 17th, December 18th, we'll get there. And then December 18th, again, again, happening um, in 520 BC. So you really have a span of four months, not even like four months of all this taking place in God's word. And it's such an important part, again, of what the Bible's teaching us right now, okay? 
giving us context, understanding what's happening. So notice also in verse one, it says, in the second year of King Darius. Now, why is that important? There's a few reasons. The reason I want to point out is notice the dating is to a Gentile king. Uh, No longer is it dated by a Jewish king, a king of Israel or a king of Judah. What does that tell us? It tells us just how much the culture for God's people has changed. It tells us about the rebellion. It tells us about the reality of their exile. It tells us here again, the distance of God's people from the Lord because of their sin. But notice also in verse one, note it's here that the word of the Lord came. Now, all throughout history, church, all throughout history, God has and will declare his word. God will always have his prophets. God will always have those who will be raised up to speak for his name, whether they're loved or hated, whether they're lifted up and honored or whether they're murdered and martyred. He will always have his prophets. Listen, God will always have the final word. He will always have the final word given to us in his word. So again, just just take a moment, soak up the sovereignty here. Soak up the sovereignty just in verse one alone. Exact date at this time, raised up his prophet and God's word comes again upon God's people. So let's read verses uh, two to four here. And here comes the prophetic message. Verse two. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time, notice the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? So here's where I want to start as we begin to unpack uh, Haggai's sermon as it relates again to this initial message or initial oracle. Point number one is going to be this. It's this. There is a time for our sin to be confronted. There is a time for our sin to be confronted. Again, it was about 15 years earlier that the temple being rebuilt had a great and glorious beginning. As I said, you can read about that in Ezra 3. 15, 16 years later, the temple remained unfinished and neglected. So what does God do? God confronts them in their sin. Now notice the excuse of God's people. Can you see it there? It's in verse 2. Their their excuse for neglecting God's work was the time has not come. It's not the time. Uh, The time is not yet. It wasn't against that they were against rebuilding God's temple. It's just that they had a different set of priorities. And when your priorities is not the Lord, enter excuses. Sound familiar? Can we just admit as human beings, we are ingenious when it comes to making excuses? In neglecting the Lord, I've heard them all. Just take a moment right now and examine your heart. What excuses have you and I been making in putting off God's kingdom? What are the most recent excuses that you've come up with to put off the reality that we are called to seek first the kingdom of God? Now, the excuse of the people here in Haggai in chapter one is pretty brilliant. They're like, no, 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 we we, we want to see the temple rebuilt. Just not now. We'll get to it. It's just not now. It's just, it's, it's not the right time. We'll get to it soon. Again, just, just, just give us a little longer and eventually we'll get there and we'll come around. But please notice again in verse two, God refers to 
His people, not as his people, God refers to the people of Israel as these people. These people, why is that significant? Again, it's significant because over time, the distance between God always calls his people, my people. And now he's like, these people, the way they've been acting, the way they have set him aside, the way they have not honored him and glorified him. Now he's saying these people indicating the relationship again has suffered great distance and there's not great intimacy between God and his people. Their excuse is it's, it's not the time. Think of our excuses, man. Too busy at work. Too busy with the kids. Too much homework. I'll have more time once this sports season ends, whatever it might be. All the excuses that we give. And so the people give the excuse of time, but then God calls them on their hypocrisy. Look at verses three and four, okay? He says this. He says, then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. And Haggai says, he says, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Okay, so the house that I come from and my kids, this is called, well, I would call it when I was a kid, a burn. Ooh, you got bird, man. And my kids now, they hear something, they'd be like, oh, like that, all right? So young people, me, you might know what I'm talking about right there. Haggai just totally burns them in my language. And in my boy's language, like, Haggai, oh, what a comeback, what a comeback. See there, because the people are like, we don't have any time. And he's like, oh yeah, verse four, you have time for yourselves to dwell in paneled houses while the house of God lies in ruins. And all God's people said, oh, God, all right. He just totally burned them. He's like, oh yeah, what about that? It's funny that their voices are saying one thing, but their lives are totally saying another thing, right? So their voices say, it's not time to build the temple. Ready, ready, ready? But their lives say it was time to pursue self-luxury. Oh, that hurts. And that's exactly what's going on. Can I just say this, man? Like, again, let's be honest enough, people. God knows every heart in this room. We do the same thing a lot. Hey, man, I serve the Lord. You want to pursue his kingdom? You want to be generous to the work of God? Oh, not right now, not right now. I don't have time, I don't have time. And then the very thing we do is we leave church and our lives are self-indulgent with luxury and all these ridiculous things in our world. I mean, what are you doing? God's like, you think you're fooling me? Like you say, you got no time and nothing to give, whatever. And then the very aspect of your life, it's just the evidence is lighting. You got time for that. You got time for that. You got money for that. You got gifts for that. You got all these other things you're doing. We're like, hmm, got a point there, God. But we make excuses and we rationalize. And this is what the people of God were doing as well. It's interesting that I think inherently in studying some commentaries, one of their most inherent excuses was we don't have the money. We don't have the money. The economy's bad. And God's like, well, you seem to have the money to put into your self-house. You got the, the houses with a roof on it. You got some sweet panels, and yet my house lies without a roof. Conviction. Again, see what's happening here, okay? See, see what's happening here. It's the priority of self-indulgence or personal prosperity over the house of God. God's house lies in ruins while your house is all sweet and fancy. Okay, here's the, here's, the, here's the principle we're taking from Haggai. We'll start with the principle in the Old Covenant, okay? Here's what's happening in Haggai. Here's the principle. The condition of their hearts was directly related to their attitude toward God's temple. Stop there for a second, okay? Hey, Living the Light listeners, listen, you've heard of Black Friday. You've probably heard of Cyber Monday. But have you heard of Giving Tuesday? 
That's the time again for people who are fired up about ministries like Live in the Light to give on Tuesday, November 29th to again ministries like ours to see the gospel continue to go forward and lives to be changed through the revelation of God's truth. Did you know that we are kept on the air on this station 100% by generous donors like yourselves? It's so true. We are dependent on you and the support and prayer again of our listeners to continue to see these messages go out and we pray reach so many people again for the Lord Jesus Christ. And this year we're excited to say we had a special donor step up and they are willing again to match gifts up to $25,000. They're going to match again all donations up to that amount towards living the light in this giving season. So hey, maybe right now you you would consider being used of the Lord to uh, see how you can be used to give generously, to live in the light that will continue to reach people again a donor is going to match up to $25,000 we're so thankful for that donor and thankful for you for considering being used in this way at this time to see light shine in the darkness and to see those again without hope to find the hope that is found in Jesus Christ bless you all for prayerfully considering such things and don't forget that we'll be back tomorrow at live in the light